Hello and welcome to this episode of the SCIF Meetings Podcast, the podcast for curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Andrea Doyle and I am the executive editor of SCIF Meetings. In this episode titled Milwaukee Taking the National Stage, I have the pleasure of speaking with Peggy Williams-Smith, the president and CEO of Visit Milwaukee. We discuss topics including how Milwaukee welcomes Democrats as well as Republicans, how hospitality has been a lifelong passion, how this blue city is going to be hosting the Republican National Convention. We talk about the importance of communication, how she was born and bred in Milwaukee, and how important it is to be a storyteller. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out other episodes with tips and insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website or subscribe through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Well, Peggy, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I really look forward to our conversation. So um, you started as a bartender and a waitress early in your career. How did you find your way to the meetings industry? Well, I started actually my first job was at Arby's in 1986, um, where I was employee of the year in 1987 for all of the Arby's in Wisconsin. I'm very proud of that. I still have my my name tag. Um, you know, I started bartending and waitressing early. My parents belonged to a semi-private country club in southeastern Wisconsin, and they were looking for a bartender or a beer cart girl. And um Somehow, my parents said, you should go apply. I did, and I got the job. And because it was a country club, uh, they had events, meetings and events that took place. And eventually, it morphed from bartending and waitressing to bar manager, to banquet manager, to um, me leaving the industry altogether, thinking that I wanted to have a life. I was young. I was in my early 20s. and. Um, I did not want to work nights and weekends anymore because all my friends had day jobs and I didn't. So, so I left. And to this day, the people who worked at Muskego Lake still take credit for my career. They got called by a headhunter from the Hilton in Milwaukee asking if they knew anyone who would be a good wedding planner for the Hilton Hotel in Milwaukee. And the owner happened to have been the one who answered the call. And she said, you know what? I have the perfect person for you and gave my name. And that's how I started my career nearly 26 years ago with Marcus Hotels and Resorts. So before you joined Visit Milwaukee, you were with Marcus. What? Um, tell me a little bit about your career there. 
So I spent 22 years at Marcus. I had 10 different positions in those 22 years. I started by planning weddings. I was the, the wedding catering sales manager for the hotel. Um, and then from there, I went on to do meetings and conventions. So I planned some of the citywide conventions that were held in the city. That was the early, the late, late 90s and early 2000s. Um, when I first applied for the job, the director of catering asked me what I wanted to be doing in five years. And I jokingly looked at him and said, well, your job, I mean, wouldn't that be the next step? So four years later, he left, he got a promotion and um, they, they left the position sit open for a while, which was good for me because I was still young and I probably wouldn't have been ready for the position at that point. And about a year later, they, they posted the position. So that's when I took the director role and I was a director um, at the Hilton that I moved to our flagship property, which is the Fisker. It's a property that was built in 1893, absolutely stunning, 307 rooms and the catering epicenter at the time for the city of Milwaukee. And I was there for three years before I moved into a role as the general manager of a private country club that we had taken um, over as a management uh, company. And then I went to the corporate office where I went from corporate director of catering and uh, events to vice president of food and beverage. And I finally, when I left there, I was senior vice president of operations. And did you have your eye on the visit Milwaukee position? You know, funny it. So my husband is also in the business. He worked for Marcus for 35 years. He retired this past September. I always thought I would be the general manager of the Fisker Hotel. And we always thought he would work for the Bureau for Visit Milwaukee. And in when he took the job as the GM of, of the Fisker in the early 2000 teens, um, I thought, well, that was my job. That was the job that, that was intended for me. And um, when this job became available, in all honesty, um, you know, I love the city. I've been involved in, in the community in the city my entire career. And I thought that there was an opportunity for me to really tie this organization to the community. And, you know, I've, I've belonged to many women's groups throughout the years. I've heard all the things that women typically don't put in unless they have they meet every single criteria. Whereas men, if they meet one, they're like, I got this. And I just thought to myself, you've, you've been to enough of these talks and these discussions and these roundtables. And if Donald Trump can be president of the United States, a reality TV star, then I can certainly be CEO of Visit Milwaukee. So I threw my name in, in the ring in early 2019. Wow, love that. Have you always lived in the Milwaukee area? I have, I have. I'm the first local native Milwaukeean and the first female to hold this position. So everyone who's held this position in the past has first of all been a man and second of all, not from the city of Milwaukee. Um, maybe they've lived here for a while, but they were always transplants. I mean, it's hard for some people to understand what DMOs do. So I was curious to find out how you explain to friends and family what it is you do do. You know, I so I hear this all the time from DMO people. And 
you know, I, I just haven't had that same experience. And maybe that's because I've been in the hospitality business my whole life. And with hospitality and hotels, you know what a DMO is and you know what they do. And my circle of friends have always known what I do. So it, it hasn't been that hard for me to explain what it is that Visit Milwaukee does and the impact that we make on the community. But we've also make it, made a concerted effort um, to talk about it and to be visible locally, not just outwardly when we're selling the city. We need our residents to understand what it is we're doing so that they can help us. And they have been incredibly, incredibly supportive of the work that we're doing. Okay. So you just said your first female CEO in your position there in Milwaukee. Why do you feel it's so difficult for women to get a seat at the table, especially at organizations like yours? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I was, I was shocked. I mean, it was a big story here that I was the first female CEO. Um, like I said, I've always been very involved with women's groups. We have a local group here called Temple Milwaukee, um, Professional Dimensions and Milwaukee Women Inc. All of them have different um, missions as it pertains to women in leadership roles. And I've surrounded myself with women who are in positions of power, um, who hold leadership positions within each of their organizations. So I didn't think of it as a as big of a deal. And then when I started, um, you know, when I started with Visit Milwaukee, um, I only got to attend one industry event before the world shut down. And I was pleasantly surprised with the number of women in leadership positions. I was approached immediately by women who held leadership positions. They invited me to join a group called Strong Women Who Get Shit Done. And it is, um, you know, so I see how many women hold leadership roles throughout the world at, in tourism. So, um, you know, it, I, I guess I haven't looked at statistics to see if the number is, if there's a, a, a big, huge gap between male and female leadership. But I do think that, that it's certainly something that is changing. And I see it changing every time I see an announcement made about a position. Okay. Shortly um, after I started Chicago, named a, a female CEO. Right. I, I haven't done the research, but looking back in the recent history, it's always been a man. And now there's a woman there as well of, of a major of a major city. So. So you believe women are breaking the glass ceiling? I do. I do. Um, you know, my mentor. I, so. In the state, we have a state organization of all of the DMOs. And I was assigned a mentor and my mentor was Deb Archer and Deb Archer is a legend in the world of DMOs. Um, she was from Madison, she's since retired. But um, again, she introduced me to all these other women who were CEOs of, of destination uh, management organizations. So I, I do see it changing. I think that we always have to be diligent. Um, the world it always can throw curveballs, but I definitely think that that it, it is changing. 
we haven't broken through the biggest glass ceiling, um, which would be a woman holding the office of the president of the United States. I think that's the one that I'm I'm personally holding out for. Okay. Talking about the presidency, you helped land the, Repu- the Republican National Convention, which will be coming to town next week. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that entailed? Sure. Well, next week is the debate is coming. Um, the convention is in 2024. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, I started in November of 2019, and we were on the precipice of what we were calling the year of Milwaukee. We had booked the Democratic National Convention that was supposed to take place at our brand new Pfizer Forum. And um, we were gearing up and I came in last minute, so we hit the ground running. So when it canceled, it was, you know, the pandemic itself was devastating on everyone. And we can talk about that in a separate portion, but, um, you know, there were people who were upset. We had. We had done a lot of planning, the city, the county, the region, to be able to host this once in a lifetime event. So, you know, when when it first got delayed and then it was said that it was gonna happen on a smaller scale, then that smaller scale shrunk, then it ended up just being local people in a, in a convention center ballroom um, and a lot of security. So, um, Immediately, because we had really talked about this in the press with people, with the community, with our hospitality and tourism community, they they wanted to know if we would go after the DNC again in 2024. And that's really not how it works with a political convention. And as we were um, coming out of the pandemic in September of 21, I got an RFP on my desk for the Republican National Convention. And it was also copied to our mayor at the time. And I happen to have a board member who sits, um, he's the vice chair of the Republican Party of Wisconsin. So I called him and I said, hey, I just got this bid. What do you think about putting in for this? Do you think this is something that we would be able to do? Because I was really looking at him for the fundraising portion, because there's a significant amount of money that has to be fundraised. And that would not be something that I would be comfortable doing. And and then I called the mayor and said, you know, as a blue city, are you, do you want to do this? And he said, absolutely, 100%. So the three of us flew out to DC to present. Um, again, I was still very new to the DMO world because I my first 13 months had all been during COVID. I think I had gone to one, besides that first industry trade show, which was PCMA um, back in January of 2020, I think I had gone to a CEO summit for Destinations International. So I was not used to doing these types of pitches on my own for something this major. And there were five other cities in the room waiting to present. And my my favorite buddy from a city that I won't name had all these gifts. And I had nothing with me. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are those? And he's like, well, they're gifts, of course. I'm trying to bribe them to bring the event to Milwaukee or to the city that he was from. And I said, oh my goodness. So we got in the room and the mayor did a wonderful job of saying that he looks at this as green because it makes money. And he wanted to make sure that the city was able to showcase itself on that international stage that we didn't get the opportunity to do in 2020. 
And then as I was leaving, I said, I want you to know that I have gifts for all of you, but they were too big for me to bring here. So I'll be mailing them to each of you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did that. And they were really good gifts because I didn't have to bring them with me on the plane. So um, I think that that was very helpful. But it was really a community effort. There was, there's so much collaboration. I was able to tap into our restaurant community, our convention center, our partners over at the Baird Center, um, who's also fairly new at the same time I was. I was able to tap into the city government and everyone, every single person supported this bid, made sure that we were speaking about the positive impact it would have on the community, how this would be the chance that we didn't get in 2020. So it really was a, a team effort. I just happened to be the one with my team who was corralling all of the different people into the rooms to make sure it happened. But it was it was it it wasn't a fantastic experience. And I just got done doing a um, a presentation with the chief operating officer of the host committee and the CEO of the of the um, committee on arrangement for the RNC. And it was in front of a bunch of of hospitality professionals talking about what this could potentially mean for them. And we also had the director of community engagement from Cleveland speaking. And she she said, I, I don't think you realize the impact that this will have on your community from the perspective of people understanding the ability you have to host these types of events. And I, again, just even saying it, I got goosebumps right now because Milwaukee is such an amazing place and we deserve this moment. And I am so happy that we're gonna to get to have this moment in 2024. Was there any pushback being that you are a blue city and it is the Republican National Convention coming to town? A hundred percent. And we still will have pushback, right? There are people who who don't want to see this happen. They don't, they don't think that it's the right move for a city, um, especially in a state where the city and the state are constantly at odds because the state legislature is run by Republicans and the city um, the city government is run by Democrats. But I think in the end, utilizing all of the people that we had involved and being able to tell the story of the impact that it will have and that this is really not a partisan thing. This is a part of how our country was founded, the democratic process. And we used to listen, we used to be able to sit and listen to each other without sniping at each other or ending agreeing to disagree. And I think we need to get back there. And this is the opportunity for us to be part of that process. And I think that's really exciting. It is. So this is a game changer for Milwaukee, can be a game changer, I guess, for the state and maybe just see how we can all get along. And like we were saying, we all have more in common than we do not in common. Correct. Yes. Yes. And and it's, you know, when you look at, at what happens here, this is the process that both sides go through to not to officially nominate their presidential nominee to go into the fall election. And that's really what's happening. And, you know, regardless of anyone's political leanings or or thoughts this is how our country is currently run it's going to happen somewhere and why not benefit from the economic boom that our city will see from this 
And I think that that's really important. We're about to open a $456 million expansion for our convention center. And when I started this job during the interview process, one of the people on the committee was our um, president and CEO of the Wisconsin Center District, which is the Baird Center. And one of the questions he posed to me is, what are you going to bring in to make sure that everyone knows that we just did a convention, a convention center expansion? And I like to say to him, like, hey, it doesn't get bigger than this because you're going to be everywhere. So, so I think that that is also something that is, you know, and I look at Cleveland and we're very much like Cleveland. I love this industry because we're so collaborative and we share so much information. I've spoken with Dave Gilbert several times. He's flown out here to talk to leadership here in the city of Milwaukee about the impact that the convention had on Cleveland and what it did for them. And as I was introducing the director of membership or vice president of membership engagement from Cleveland today, and I was going through what they've booked since they hosted the RNC, she was on the organizing committees for the NBA All-Star Game, the NFL Draft, the MLB All-Star Game, all of which were booked after they hosted this convention. Wow. Mm -hmm. And and next week you're hosting the debate. Yes. yes. Okay. And it's their summer meeting. So the 168 um, members of the Republican National Committee come in and they meet twice a year. They always meet the summer before the convention in the host city, which is our city. And in addition, then Fox is hosting their first debate here. So we have an opportunity to showcase a lot of our different um, hospitality and tourism professionals in a convention partner fair um, that we will be able to get them in front of these people prior to the convention being held. And then obviously the debate. The debate in Cleveland in 2015 24 million people tuned in to watch it. It was the highest cable television viewership outside of a sporting event in the history. So again, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to showcase, you know, many people don't understand that we're on a lake, we're the, the fresh coast, that there is acres and acres of beach. We have beaches here in Milwaukee, and they're going to be able to see that shot flying in to the Calatrava Design Art Museum as they, you know, zoom in on Pfizer Forum and the debate show floor. Wow. And and that viewership will probably be even more given the circumstances of the former President Trump and his indictments and the question of whether he's going to appear next week. I would assume yes. <laughs> So you mentioned the um, newly expanded set center that's going to open next May, right before the convention. Isn't that correct? It is. So we'll actually start hosting groups in in late March, early April. Okay. Um, uh, and then we obviously allow them time to move in, but we have several groups booked so that we can get used to the convention center, make sure we work out any kinks prior to the RNC getting here. But it's it's amazing. It's going to give us 300,000 square feet of exhibit space, which we did not have before. We had 188,000, which did put us at a competitive disadvantage to our peer cities. So I think this is really going to help us um, become a meetings and conventions destination. Wow. Anything else new in Milwaukee for groups? Oh, so much new. I mean, we have so many different um, 
event venues. There's so much economic development as it pertains to tourism, because first of all, our governor is a huge fan of tourism and our mayor, not the mayor who was there when I first started talking to the DRNC, um, we had a mayoral, mayoral switch. Um, the, our former mayor, Mayor Barrett, went to go be the ambassador of Luxembourg. He was tapped by President Biden after hosting the um, DNC in 2020. So Mayor Cavalier Johnson was appointed interim, was elected in April of last year. He's our first black elected mayor and he is incredibly supportive of tourism and all it has to offer. So I definitely, um, you know, that is incredibly helpful in what we're doing and helps to draw the spotlight to economic development as it pertains to tourism. Wow, you sure do have a lot going on. We're the city of festivals. We have a 75 acre um, festival ground that hosts multicultural festivals. We have the largest Irish Fest in the United States, the largest um, Mexican festival in the United States, both of which are happening in the month of August. We also have a Black Arts MK, Black, Black Arts Fest MKE. We have a Polish Fest, we have Pride Fest. Um, so our festival season is absolutely booming. And there's always new things that are happening at the festival grounds to make sure that we attract tourists from all over the country. And we're home to the Bucks and the Brewers as well. So. And um, right after you started, didn't the Bucks win a championship? They did. The Bucks won the championship in 2021. Um, it was fantastic. I don't think there could have been better advertising for our city. Um, again, just looking at the skyline, I was at a at an industry trade show um, in uh, Baltimore, I believe, and I was at an after party at a bar, and of course they had the playoffs on, and the Bucks were on, and the TV camera zoomed over Deer District, and you saw a hundred thousand people of the most diverse backgrounds watching the Bucks from outside the arena, which housed another 18,000 people. Um, it was just a phenomenal experience to be able to experience a championship. Um, and, you know, we hope because in 2016, after Cleveland hosted the RNC, the Cavaliers won the championship that year. So we're hoping we have some of that same luck in 2020. Oh, that sounds good. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So you you started your role just before the COVID pandemic shut down the world. What was that like? You know, sometimes I still tear up when I reflect on all that happened. You know, it regardless of where I would have been, had I stayed with Marcus, I it would have been devastating because it was a hotel company. And I will tell you, most of our hotels closed. 
Um, I think, as I mentioned a little earlier, my husband is the general manager or was the general manager of the Fisker during the pandemic. And I had worked as the assistant general manager in that property in the early 2000s. And to walk into an empty hotel, you know, we always joke, we never had keys because hotels don't ever close. The door is always open. And it was the hardest thing I ever had to do was walk into that hotel and see no one working and no guests. I just literally, my husband and I sat in the middle of the lobby and broke down in tears because it was just such a surreal moment. We never, you know, we both have been in this business for long enough to have lived through 911. We lived through September 11th. We lived through the, you know, the horrible times through the recession where we didn't think that we were going to survive or that businesses wouldn't survive, but there was nothing like this, nothing. Um, you know, we immediately stopped spending because there was no one to market to because no one was moving anywhere. But we did, we, what we did was we, we became the communicators. We, we brought people in and we tried to feed as much information to them as possible. I was part fortunate enough to be part of committees uh, that had CEOs of other destination organizations from all over the country. And we were sharers of information. We held a weekly, um, a weekly webinar in which we brought on guest speakers who talked about safety, about what you could do when we were ready to reopen. Um, my team absolutely hated it. I think maybe it went on a little too long after COVID started to subside um, because it was a lot of content every single week that had to be put together because we started with the good things that were brewing in Milwaukee and then we um, continued by sharing you know, best practices, what other cities were doing, what you could do as a restaurant to be safe when the health department came to inspect you so you could reopen. What were you doing about the mean people who were not wanting to wear masks. We just, we made sure that we were speaking. And I think when you ask that question about, you know, what do you tell people you do? I think during that time frame, because there was no other noise, we were able to show what it is that we do as an organization. And that really helped us to come out of the pandemic stronger because we had that time where there was there was, you know, there was no other noise that was happening. Um, it was, you know, we, I had to, I had to lay off 50% of the team, which is, is never easy. We did, I, I was on the call with every single one of them, um, with my HR director sitting six feet apart in my office, on a speakerphone. Um, cause you couldn't give hugs. You couldn't say everything was going to be all right. It was just, it was surreal being in this industry, my entire career. It was just a surreal time for, for everyone. I mean, it's no different for us than anyone else, but making sure that we were working together, you know, I made some mistakes. My, my team, my senior team, um, would joke because, I had 8 a.m. meetings and 5 p.m. meetings every day on Zoom because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I wanted us to be able to come back together because each of them had different 
networks of people that they were talking to. And I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. I was so new, I hadn't yet had a chance to build a culture. So um, they, they didn't say so during it, but they certainly made comments after we stopped doing the twice daily meetings. Like, yeah, it was like, well, what did you do? Oh, well, I watched the dog for three hours because there, you know, it, it was it was a little comical and maybe I went a little overboard. Um, but I do think that, you know, it was it was something that was needed and it was something that that helped all of us to be able to cope together. Um, you know, the organization prior to my arrival was doing monthly staff meetings. I moved to weekly staff meetings so that we could all be in the know of what was happening because everyone was so, the times were so uncertain. You know, it was first round of layoffs, second round of layoffs. I tried to cut through that. I just did all the layoffs at once, trying to make sure that people didn't have that feeling of uncertainty um, during that time. And it was, it was, you know, I'm, I, I would I would hate to go through it again, but I do think that it afforded me the opportunity to really understand the impact of this organization immediately because of what the city was missing without tourism in the city. And it seems during that time, communication became even more important to you. It did. I mean, communication is everything. So we turned our weekly webinar into a weekly newsletter. It's called Insights. And we send it out every Friday. And it tells, you know, it starts with a letter from me that highlights some of the good things or some of the bad things that are happening. It is complete transparency. It shows what we booked last week, how many site tours we had in, who didn't book with us. It shows where we were in the media. Well, you know, all of our dashboards are out there for everyone to see. And I think that's really important. We try to be as transparent as possible so that at any given point, if someone hasn't been able to engage, they can go, they can look at that and they can say, oh, this is what's happening. So communication has been one of the main focuses of me personally and therefore the organization since, since I started. So you get the job, the world shuts down. You know, you do your best and then you're named Milwaukee Business Journal's 2022 Executive of the Year. What does this recognition mean to you? Well, my team did not tell me there were some very, very um, worth, worthy and amazing business executives who were highlighted um, throughout the year. Um, it it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Like I said, I grew up in this city. I have been a part of the fabric of this community. I try to give back as often as I can. So to be able to bring notoriety to the city and then to be recognized for that was, was completely overwhelming. You know, it's certainly not me. I have an amazing team of individuals that work at this organization. Um, I, I, they are fantastic. I hear it and they're each fantastic at what they do. And what they do is each so different. 
So it really makes an impact. If I go to a trade show with the sales team, I am constantly amazed that my VP of sales knows all of our counterparts on that floor, that customers know who our salespeople are, that they're walking up, that they're engaged in what we're doing. My, um, I, you know, I have a, a marketing, a VP of marketing who is new to our organization and he's the one person who's been in other DMOs and he brings this wealth of knowledge that we didn't have. And as someone who's not from here, he also gets to bring that visitor perspective because he used to visit here. And I think that's really important. My, um, our partnership team is just fantastic. We engage partners in so much more than just leads. We engage them in, in everything. And we try to expand the boundaries of the traditional tourism zone boundaries, you know, around the convention center. We try to make sure that those businesses that are outside of that see business from the things we bring in. Uh, our PR director is fantastic. She is just amazing. And then without the support of our VP of HR and our, our administrative um, team, we wouldn't be able to keep running. We wouldn't have the things we need to do our jobs. So I'm just so fortunate that the award was really a reflection of the entire team. And the entire team is just fantastic. How many are on your team? We're at um, 43 right now. Okay. So we went down to 22 during the lowest part of the pandemic. We were at 50 prior to my arrival. They okay. were at 50, but right before I started, there was some turnover as there always is when, when a CEO leaves. Right. What attributes and or qualities have you developed that have helped you become the leader you are today? You know, I am fortunate to have a personal board of directors um, that keep me in line. They're, my board is incredibly supportive and I do use them, but that's helped me develop my attributes has been my personal board of directors who keep me in line, who who give me advice, who talk to me, who who I learn from just by knowing them and knowing what they do in their organizations. And I think, you know, being someone whose job it was, was to make someone's ordinary day extraordinary. That, that's what I've, that's what I've built my entire career on. I am, I have the heart of hospitality in me. And, you know, if I'm at an event and I see someone needs a drink, I'm going to try and get them a drink. If I see that some, that something's on the ground, I'm going to pick it up. And I think that's what our business is about. It's about creating memories for people. And that started for me when I was doing weddings at Muskego Lakes. Is there anyone who mentored you early in your career or helped you become the type of leader you are? So many mentors, so many. Um, you know, starting with the people at Muskego Lakes, moving on to the Hilton, my first general manager was fantastic, fantastic. He was someone who wanted to make sure that everyone knew what was happening. You know, we would go into our all staff meetings, which were weekly. And he would ask questions. What was our ADR last night? How much catering revenue did you do last night? You had to be in tune with financials. 
And that gave me the PL experience that I think a lot of people don't have. So um, he was incredibly instrumental. My director of food and beverage at that hotel, Nancy Hernandez, who went on to be an entrepreneur, she she's the one who got me involved in the women's organizations. She said, you can't be so insular. You can't just think about what happens in the four walls of this hotel. You need to be out there talking to other people. It will sharpen, it will sharpen your you know, your pencil and you need to sharpen your pencil before you can sharpen others. So that was incredibly um, impactful. I've just had so, so many um, amazing mentors throughout my career. And, you know, even people who are younger than me that have helped me learn how to navigate social media or tell me that my idea is outdated. Half my team, 50% of my team is under the age of 35. And I think that's amazing. I was talking to someone and they were complimenting our social media presence. And I, someone said, so what's the approval process before they post something? And I'm like, there, there is no <laughs> <laughs> social media moves so fast. If I approved every single thing, like I'm not the expert. Right. I hire capable people who are wonderful at the jobs that they do. And then I get out of the way and let them do that. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. I think that mistakes are incredibly important. I think that they help you to improve. And I enjoy being able to learn from mistakes as well. And the way that mistakes are addressed aren't punitive. They're, um, I don't know if you heard that, we're the home of Harley Davidson. So that was probably a Harley going by. Um, <laughs> the, they're not punitive. They're, they're ways for us to learn to do things better the next time. And are you a mentor yourself? I I have been told, yes. I like to think that anyone who thinks of me as a mentor, uh, they are also my mentor because I am a naturally inquisitive person. So if we meet, I'm going to ask you more questions than you're probably going to ask me. You know, I do, we do something here with our local business journal called Mentoring Monday. And I think sometimes I irritate some of the mentees because I ask them more questions about what they're doing in their job than they ask me. <laughs> um, I, I love to learn about people. I love to learn about industries. I love to learn about what other people do. And that helps me make that connection because then I can tie it to something that maybe we do in the world of tourism. What do you feel the future holds for the industry and for Milwaukee? Well, I think for the industry, I think that if the pandemic taught us nothing is that travel is innate to people, that people want to experience things, they want to travel, they want to be out there. Thank goodness for that. The, 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 leisure, the way leisure travel rebounded as the pandemic started to subside was nothing short of miraculous when we didn't have meeting and conventions that were coming back in so quickly because people were, were still organizations, I think, not the people in the organizations, but organizations were more worried. So leisure travel is what carried most of our industry through that end part of 2021 and the beginning part of 2022. Um, you know, I think the future looks bright for Milwaukee. Our leads since announcing the RMC um, late lat or, or in the middle of last year have doubled. And I mean doubled. So we are seeing, and, and, and of course, 
the expansion of the convention center helps that everyone wants to be in something um, shiny and new. So the Baird Center will also help our team. We've restructured our team. We have remote salespeople. We hadn't had someone in the DC market for um, nearly a decade. And we put someone in the DC market back um, last year. That has really helped out there. And then we just hired someone uh, in the Southwest so that we have someone on that side of the country who can also um, talk about Milwaukee and hopefully bring more attention to the city and what we have to offer from a meetings and conventions perspective. And then for leisure, you know, our team knows how to pitch. They know how to tell a story. And it is really the good work of our mayor and our county exec and our elected officials who have invested in the city of Milwaukee that make it so amazing. And all our job is to do is to sell that, is to tell that story to the world. And, you know, that's what we are. We're storytellers. We're out there talking about Lupe and Iris, which just opened last year and was nominated for best new restaurant in the country by James Beard. We're telling the story of the amazing new event venue that opened down the street that's an old church that is absolutely fantastic. We're telling the story of the um, woman who moved back here from Nashville, Tennessee to open Honeybee Sage, which is a um, apothecary. And her amazing journey to open something here because she felt like this was a place that was on the rise. Um, there was a really heartwarming um, occurrence a few weeks ago. Claire, who is my director of PR and public affairs, and I were at an event. Speak, uh, it was just an event that we were at, not speaking at it, just talking. And someone walked up because we had our Visit Milwaukee pins on. And she said, are you Visit Milwaukee? And we said, yes. And she said, I just want to share something with you. During the pandemic, I started looking for um, some place to move. I knew I was going to make a move. The pandemic taught me that I didn't want to be here anymore. She lived on the East Coast. She said, and I started following, I had been to a convention in Milwaukee in 2013. So I looked you up and I started following your social. And your social is what hooked me. And then looking at, you know, the leadership, our new mayor, our new county exec is what drew me in. And I moved here in January of this year. No family here. No, she found a job, but it was the social that we were doing that's connecting to the community. And she was a person of color. And, you know, we really pride ourselves on making sure that we absolutely are inclusive and that we are showing the full Milwaukee. And I think that that has, has it's been, it's been amazing. So we always wrap up our podcasts by asking who should we have on the next podcast and what's a question we should ask that person? Is this Is this podcast men and women? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. Claude from Detroit. Okay. Claude from Detroit. I think that he is amazing. He is, he started around the same time I did. He came, he, he was not a DML person. He was the CEO of their convention center. And the things he is doing in Detroit are, so, so when we say mentor, um, I don't necessarily use that term. I use it informally as well, 
But my first convention, like I said, was January of 2020. It was in San Francisco for PCMA. And um, they owned that stage. I don't know if you were at that conference, but they were the stage sponsor and they owned that stage. And it made me think differently about Detroit. And I've been following what they've been doing ever since then. And, you know, we banter back and forth via text and email about what our budgets are. Because he's like, I think you're spending too much money on marketing. And I'm like, I think you're spending too much money to get groups. So I just think he's doing some amazing things in Detroit. And Detroit is also a city on the rise. And I would ask him what he thinks the turning point for Detroit has been in the last couple of years that's put it back on the map. Right. Well, I'll definitely reach out. And okay. I have a question that I need to ask. What was the gift you sent the RNC? So we did this entire box and it was a video box. So we bought these boxes during the DNC when we found out that people weren't going to come here. So we uploaded videos onto them with 30, with uh, you know, all of our team saying the RNC should be here. And then we brought in CEOs of organizations, the president of the Bucks. We had everyone saying Milwaukee is where you should be. And it had a, um, a little bottle of central uh, standard distillery brandy to RNC. We created our own logo, um, brandy old fashioned cup, bitter cube, um, uh, bitter cube bitters which is local to here, um, Door County Cherries. Love it. Something else. Maybe some maybe some cheese curds, some squeaky cheese curds, <laughs> and, and something else. Oh, and some coffee. Some coffee from one of our, uh, I think it was um, MKE-ing making coffee. So, and some lush popcorn. We've given them many gifts since okay. then. So there may be not everything was in that box, but it was the the video box was awesome because you opened it, it just started playing. And then it was a taste of Milwaukee. It was a taste of Milwaukee. And you know, the funny thing is, is that the 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 um chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, is Mormon. So she doesn't drink alcohol or coffee. And every gift we gave was oh. Because we're in the city, right? So everything we gave had alcohol and, and coffee in it. Oh, boy. Yeah. And she still chose us. So that's uh, wonderful. Well, this has been wonderful. I so, so enjoyed our conversation. Yes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you. And I'm going to be looking out for Milwaukee during all these upcoming conventions. Thank you very much. Good luck on your on your summit tomorrow. I appreciate it. Be well. All right. Bye-bye.